God that we can go to that throne room. Amen. Amen. Over your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You guys ready for the Bible? Ready or not? Here we go. Let's all stand. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, earlier in the week, Lord impressed upon my heart two different thoughts uh, in regards to what to bring today. And and one of them stuck. And I don't know how else to explain it. Uh, but if you uh, if you ever preach for any amount of time, it'll kind of make sense where the Lord gives you two thoughts. And you kind of part. I think part of what he does is because sometimes you, even though you're not going to preach on that subject, you need it for you. Right. And, and so I, I needed something else. But the Lord also worked me over on this subject as well. Uh, I think this I don't care how long you've been saved. Uh, this is a subject that you always will have room to grow in. This is an area of life where you will never come and go, I've reached my maximum capacity on excellence here. There's no more room for growth. Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm thankful in the Christian life there's always a next step. Amen? Amen. And, and, and I want to encourage you, never get to the place where you go, I'm done. Once you're done, you're done, right? And uh, God desires for you to be more and more conformed to the image of His Son. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and look at verse number 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you... Ignorant, ignorant, all right? So the Lord is going to minister to the Corinthian church and through the Apostle Paul, he's going to have them not be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Uh, Look down, if you would, at verse number 12. Verse number 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. And have been all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not the body, is it not therefore not the body? You know what he's saying there? Look, look, sometimes you compare yourself among yourselves, and you go, I'm not as important as that person. I'm not the hand, right? I'm, I'm the foot. And let me just say right now, if you're the foot, we need you. We need to go places, amen? And so what, what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to, Level the playing field and remind everybody, look, what makes you important is not your talent or your ability. It's the fact that you are attached to the body of Christ. And that was not something you could merit on your own. God gave that to you through the Spirit of God. And and therefore, your identity is not wrapped up in your abilities. Look, I'm thankful that Brother Joe can play piano and and that Miss Amy Kishkop and sang and others that can do things. And we got guys that can paint doors and people that can do media and people that can't do anything else except for preach. Amen. We we got all kinds of stuff represented. But your ability is not what makes you who you are. You are who you are because of Jesus Christ. All right, so Paul is trying to drive that thought home and remind them, look, your insecurities and your lack of confidence comes from you going, I don't measure up to that, when God never desired you to measure measure you up to that anyways. That is something that you struggle with because you look at others and go, I want to be that. And God's telling you, hey, that's not the most important thing. You are part of the body. Look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and look down, if you would, at verse number 27. Verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And I'm not going to teach this right now, but clearly there's a difference between spiritual gifts for the body of Christ today and sign gifts that were given to the early church. I'm not going to go through all that right now, but that's, that's part of this. And, and, and the part of the conversation is, 
Uh, if I think I'm more important than Richard because I have the gift of healing and he doesn't, you say, what is that? That's a problem that I have, not him. Because I'm thinking that my gift makes me who I am. And that's not how, how it works in the Christian life. Look, if you would, at verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all singers, are all piano players, are all missionaries, are all, you get what I'm saying, right? Are, are all uh, workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Look at verse 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. I want to talk to you about that more excellent way this morning. Brother Joey, if you would ask God's blessing on the word. Amen. And be seated. Let me say it like this. You're not more important because you came to church and weathered the snow, right? You're not less important because you're watching online. You're not more important because you, you went to the mission field, less important because you didn't. Not more important because you're a deacon or less important because you're not. There are some people that they don't know how to just enjoy the Christian life without being at the center of everything that's being said and done. God, want, God did not save you to make you his slave, all right? God saved you so you could become his child, first and foremost. Your identity changes, and yes, he does want you to work and to serve him, but that is not your identity by in and of itself. Now that you are part of the body of Christ, God wants you to get to a place where you recognize it is not about you and what you can do that makes you special. You know what makes you special? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen, it's very, very tempting at times to go, well, I don't have that gift. I can't do what that person does. I'm not a deacon. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not this. I'm not that. Therefore, I don't matter. Or therefore, because I am that, I'm more important. And God says, hey, let's level that playing field. And let me remind you, the only reason why any of us matter is because of Jesus Christ. Uh, th that's it. Listen, you know what you are without God, without uh, Jesus Christ? You're without hope and without God in this present world. And you know what you are? You are an amoeba. I'm talking about the way the world looks at us. You are an amoeba amongst a sea of amoebas. You don't stand out. You will live. You will work. You will retire. You will die. And no one else will care. Thank God no one ever cares for me like Jesus. The reason you matter is because of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is trying to remind them, look, uh, look at uh, chapter 14. Go be there real quickly. Chapter 14, look at verse number 26. Uh, the, the Corinthian church was a, a carnal church. And look, uh, they're not the only carnal church in church history, all right? Uh, there's enough carnality in all of us to make us a little bit of Corinthians at times. And, and so uh, Paul dealt with the, the carnal nature, the, the immaturity, the, 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 the childlikeness, if you will. And listen, children are wonderful and they're beautiful and they're innocent, but the reality is children are unvarnishedly selfish, all right? Uh, you get older and you are varnishedly selfish. You know what that means? You cover it better. You say things like, oh, brother, I don't want to be a burden, i.e., I really don't want to take time to come see you. 
All right? So, so you, you get older, you learn to cover it better. But children are just men. Here I am. I'm, I'm boldly selfish. I want you to know I am here for me right now. Amen? That's where kids are at. Listen, he's getting on to them because that's what the Corinthian church was. They were looking at life the wrong way as believers. And look at verse 26 of chapter 14. Notice when Paul is addressing, and I don't want to go into all of it this morning. I don't want to do a Bible study on the subject of tongues, but you've been taught, you understand that tongues, the way a lot of people interpret that, is not the biblical version of tongues. Can I get a witness? Tongues, if we want to go down that road, just for sake of illustration, Brother Joey uh, performed tongues for us this morning. He also happened to be the interpreter. He did English, then he did pigeon, and did pigeon, then English. You say, what is that? That's the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. He's got the gift. He's got the gift right there. All right? So if you want to be important, just follow Joey's. I'm just kidding. You understand? What I'm getting at is this. That's tongues. Now, all that said, what Paul's doing in chapter 14 is he's kind of raining on that parade. He's kind of going, look, you guys have this whole tongues thing way out of whack you've got this gifts thing way out of whack i know some christians go i've got material wealth therefore i'm important and god is let me just say right now you better quit trying to figure out why god has blessed you i'm serious what i mean by that is this you will sometimes go i know the reason god's blessed me is i I raised my kids right no no it's the mercy of god (laughs) let's just start with that premise all right because there's some people that raise their kids right and the kids go in the wrong direction amen (laughs) Listen, there are some people that work hard and they got financial setback after setback. And listen, if you got something, praise God. But never look at it this way. I've got what I've got because I'm so good and this happened in my life because of what I did and therefore God had to bless me. That's not the right way to look at life. Can I flip it around? Bible school students, and I was one of them at one time, you look at the world and you go, man, I, I took a vow of poverty. You say, I know. I came to, to school in a two-story tin shack. Therefore, I've taken a vow of poverty. And therefore, if, I've, if you do have anything materially, you're wicked. I'm righteous because I'm poor. Can I say all that stuff's just foolishness? Do you realize whether you have stuff, don't have stuff, whether you're uh, called to full-time ministry, not called full-time ministry, uh, uh, a, a deacon in a church, not a deacon in a church, uh, an assistant, not an assistant, that stuff is not, that's not the most important thing. Notice what Paul says in chapter 14, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath the psalm, hath the doctrine, hath the tongue, hath the revelation, hath the interpretation. Let all things be done in edifying. You know what he's saying? How come everyone here is trying to highlight their own thing? Why can't you just work together for the purpose of Jesus Christ getting honor and glory? Why does it have to be about you? And Paul is saying this 2,000 plus years ago, but I think if Paul wrote a church to the American, a letter to the American churches, it would read a little similar to this. How come everyone's showing up going, look at what I can do? I've had people come here, and none of you that are here, so don't go, was it me, was it me? It's not anyone that's here, right? But I've had people come to our church and, and uh, you know, looking for a church, their church shopping. And what they do right away is, preacher, you know, I just want you to know, I used to do this and this and this and this and this. I did all these things. And what they're hoping I do is go, oh, man, we could really use you right here. First off, I don't know who you are. I have no idea. You want to teach kids Sunday school? You could be a criminal. I don't know who you are. Come on, that's real today, is it not? So, so the reality is when someone shows up and like, let me tell you, here's my resume. I'm like, we ain't in a job interview. How about give me your name, let me know your family, and come to church a few times. And we'll talk after that. You say, what is that? Look at me. And instead of going, I'm here for Jesus Christ. You, you know, what you, what you find in the early church is really not all that different than today. You say, why? Because everyone always says this. They go, we want to be like the early church. The early church was carnal. They had struggles just like we do. 
All right, the, the, the truth of the matter is human nature does not change. Paul says it this way. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as in a spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. You say, what does a baby do? A baby thinks, you've got something that I want, therefore I want to have it. You say, what is that? It'll create envy in you. When you look at other people and go, I want what they've got, it'll start to make you think, God, you've been unfair, and you start comparing yourself. The Bible says comparing themselves among themselves, they're not wise. So as you do that and you continue down the road, envy becomes covetousness, which the preacher talked about. And the covetousness in the Bible in Colossians says it is idolatry. Why would covetousness be idolatry? Because the idol is you. I deserve this. I should have this. I don't know why. And and the Lord goes, hey, uh, let me handle the God thing and you be human. Now you go, preacher, how are you getting this out of the passage? What I'm getting out of of 1 Corinthians 12 and, and 14 is this, is that people wanted to stand out and they wanted to be their own person. They wanted to be the church instead of letting God put the members where they should. And instead of thinking that their identity is wrapped up in what they can do. Let me just tell you right now, it is not your ability that, and your talent that God's impressed with. You know what God looks at? You know what God rewards? Effort. Not your ability, not your talent. Look, I've got some people, and I'm thankful for those that sing specials that can sing and glorify the Lord with a beautiful uh, voice. That's a blessing. But listen, let, I'm going to tell you right now, there's times some folks sing, and they've given it all that they've got. And some people go, what is that noise? What is that? And the Lord's going, oh, that's a sweet-smelling savor. I like that. I like that. You say, why? Because God's not there. There's no like, you think Michael and Gabriel like, America's got talent. What's your vote? Do you, you think they're up there waiting for us to vote on who we think the best? God's looking at this going, hey, look, I don't reward, ta- I don't care about talent and ability as much as I do effort. And I do it an understanding on the part of the believer to know that it is not so much some inherent gift or, or talent or ability that makes you who you ought to be, but rather moving toward the image of Jesus Christ. How about this, Elijah? Would you guys say Elijah's a, a pretty big character in the Bible? Wouldn't you say, now look, look, there's two guys that end up showing up on either side of Jesus Christ in the Mount of Transfiguration. Those two guys also happen to show up at, after the end of the tribulation, uh, toward the, uh, uh, after the rapture and during the tribulation, Moses and Elijah show up, and the Bible says the Antichrist tries to kill them, and their, their bodies lie in the street and all that kind of stuff, and then they shoot back up into outer space back to heaven. You say, that's sci-fi, that's Bible. Revelation chapter number 11. So would you not say that Elijah's kind of a big deal in the Bible? You know what Elijah says one time? I'm not better than my fathers. Lord, just kill me. Let me ask you a question. Did God impress on Elijah that you need to be better than your fathers? Or did Elijah impress upon Elijah? You know what comparison will do? It'll push you down so far that you say, I'm just done. And God's going, you've got this whole thing wrong. You're measuring yourself the wrong way. I've seen Christians get upset that someone's asked to teach a class. How come I'm not asked to teach a class? How about you leave that in God's hands? That stuff will just mess with your mind. I'll never forget years ago, I I, I read this story, and it was about an eagle, an eagle that had a a broken wing and couldn't really fly too well. And he's looking up at an eagle that's flying way up there. And so he just kind of runs over to an archer, to a hunter, and he goes, hey, can you shoot that guy down so that I can feel better about me? 
He goes, you know, I'd love to do that, but the problem is I don't have enough arrows in my, so if I could just borrow an arrow, can I borrow a, a couple feathers from your, I, I don't, and my arrow doesn't have any feathers, can I borrow some feathers from you? And the guy goes, sure, the little air eagle pl- plugs it out and goes, here you go. And he goes, well, I need a couple more than that. And he starts, to, I just, they're not going far enough, I need more. Before you know it, the eagle has no feathers, and that hunter kills him. You know, that's, you know what the moral of the story is? You need to quit trying to get other people down to make you feel better. Right. You know what Christians do sometimes? They do exactly that. Where does it all start? It all starts with this false foundation that I, that's why here at our church, I don't, look, I'm thankful for young men that preach. I'm thankful for it. I want to encourage them, but I don't want to have preacher boys where we elevate them above everyone else in the congregation and go, you need to be like these guys because if you're not like these guys, you're not important. Everyone has their own thing. We're not all called to do the same thing. And your calling and your ability does not make you important. What makes you important is Jesus Christ in you. And as a result, the Spirit of God that God put in you the moment you got saved. Let me tell you right now, God cares a whole lot more about your character than He does your talent. Is it not in the Christian life that our mark is not each other? I press, Paul says, for the mark of the, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The mark in the Christian life is not the pastor. It's not the musician. It's not the song leader. It's not the deacon. It's not some Sunday school. You know who the, the mark of the Christian life is? It's Jesus Christ Himself. So sandwiched in between the chapter where he talks about the, the gifts in the body and, and how to, to identify yourself and, and, and sandwiched in between that and, and, and Paul saying, look, the, the tongues thing is out of control and you guys are all about yourselves and what abilities and gifts you have and what you can put on display. Sandwiched between all of that, he says this, I want to show you a more excellent way. Now I'm thankful for chapter and verse markings in my Bible. It helps you memorize scripture. But I want you to understand that when Paul says this, in Paul's mind, he has a continuous thought that ends in our chapter 12 and goes into chapter 13. Look if you would at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Can can I say this? Excellence is a habit. Excellence is, is not something you're born into. It's something that you do over and over and over and over. And you know what I know about the Lord? The Lord, is his na- the Bible says in Psalms, his name is excellent. How excellent is thy loving kindness. Thou art more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. Praise him, Psalms 150, for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. The Lord loves excellence. Why? Because it's a reflection of who he is. God does not do things halfway. He does them right. When he goes back in the, in the beginning, you know, the, uh, he saw that it was good. He saw that it was very good. There's nothing that God does where he goes, meh, it's okay. <laughs> I'm thankful that when God stands back and he's done with something, listen, you know where I end up someday? I end up in heaven with the perfect body that never sins, and forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, I'm going to glorify my Savior. And God the Father is going to stand back and say, did a good job there. Not Adrian did a good job there. I, God, did a good job there. You say why? Because he does things with excellence. So when Paul says, I want to show you a more excellent way, that listen, I think this, I like a lot of Christians, and even, not even just related to spiritual things, your job, Christian, whatever job God has you in, you should do it with excellence. You should not be the party of mediocre at the office or in the ditch or at the construction site or the engineering firm. Or You should be the one that goes above and beyond. Why? Because it reflects on your Savior. Excellence should be something that we aim for. I didn't say perfection, but excellence. Why? Because that's who God is. He's excellent. 
He says, I want to show you a more excellent way. Well, what is that excellent way? Look at chapter number 13. Chapter 13. You know what that excellent way is in one word? Charity. Let me say something about missionaries. And I think Brother Joe would agree with this. A burden will get you there. Charity will keep you there. You see, before you actually get to know the culture and know the people, you just have a burden for them. And then you get to know them. And you realize they're liars. They're cheats. They're manipulators. I'm not talking about Papua New Guinea. I'm talking about Americans. Amen? <laughs> I mean, like, you know what this is? Human nature. A burden will get you. It'll go, look in this direction, and you go, okay, Lord, I'll do that. But then you realize all the complexities of dealing with people, and you're like, you know what? I don't want to do this. You know what keeps you there? Charity. You want to see a more excellent way? Can, can, I, can I tell you this? You know why some Christians fall out of fellowship with other Christians? Lack of charity. You know why things aren't right in the home? Lack of charity. You know why some churches fall apart? Lack of charity. Do you know why some of you aren't reaching people that God wants you to reach for Jesus Christ? Lack of charity. This is not just a small part of the Christian life. This is, this is a sign of you actually growing toward that mark, the more excellent way of Jesus Christ himself. Let me just read a couple of things here. Look at you at verse number 1, chapter 13. Uh, we're going to talk about charity for a little bit. Look at verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am what? All right, verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, have not charity, it profiteth me what? Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Can I just say this? In a very simple way, if I did to define charity, it would be this. Love that is expressed by giving. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his... You know what that is? Giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You know what charity is? This, this is why, by the way, the word charity is found in your King James Bible. It didn't just say love. Love has been manipulated and twisted to mean all kinds of things. The highest form of love. I'm not going down the road of agape and phileo and Chick-fil-A and all the rest of that stuff. I'm not doing that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell you right now, in your Bible, God used the word charity for a reason. Because even as our society has devolved, automatically when I say charity, what do you think of? Ding, 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 ding. Salvation Army. You know what you think of? Giving right away. So God put that word there even toward the end of the church age. When things start to unravel, the, the common man would at least look at that word and go, Yes, I at least understand that God's trying to get me to give. What is charity? It's benevolence, love, and goodwill. But let me just say this. God gives us a great description of it here in this passage. And in Webster's 1828, it also says an act of kindness which stems from love. That's charity. 18 times is mentioned in Paul's writings, four times in Peter's, two times in John's, one time in Jude. But can I just say this? God's the one that made the first move. We love him because he first loved 
You, you know what? Char- listen, the charity is something that God literally, you don't have to be talented. You don't have to have a great ability. You have to play an instrument. You don't have to know a bunch of verses in the Bible. The moment you get saved, God puts his spirit inside of you. And just like we read about over in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the spirit is what? Love. Why does it start with that one? You think maybe God's trying to get us to understand that if you're going to go a more excellent way, let me tell you right now, God's not impressed with how much you know about his book. He's impressed about how much you're willing to live it out. I think you ought to know it. I think you ought to memorize it. I think you ought to study it. I think you ought to read it. I, I think most Christians spend more time on TikTok than they do their Bibles. I'm not saying that you shouldn't get into it. I think you ought to, and it ought to get inside of you. But I would tell you right now, God is not impressed. I've met some people that, man, when it comes to dealing with others, they are stone cold. But boy, they could quote the verses and they could tell you where you're wrong and how to fix it. But they will not express the very thing that God gave them when they got saved. See, what is that? Charity. Where would any of us be without charity? Do you realize you have a hard time loving each other? You know a fraction of what God knows about all of us? I just, I, I wish I could love him, but I know too much. Aren't you glad God doesn't just say that to you? <laughs> I mean, I mean, all the secrets, all the dirty laundry, all the skeletons in the closet, all the burdens, all the, the things in your life that aren't where they are, all of that, God sees all that, and yet the Bible says his great love wherewith he loved us. Can I just show you some things about Terry? Look at verse number four. Terry's long-suffering. When you find yourself going, I just can't. Now, let me just time out, okay? Because some of you don't understand this principle. Let me help you out. I can express charity towards someone and still have boundaries in my life. There are some, look, look, if someone's trying to sell my kid crack, I'm not going to be like, well, just come over for dinner. <laughs> you understand? Some of you need to get this lesson because some of you struggle with your family and you'll let your kids run all kinds of filth and junk because it's family instead of saying, boundaries. What kind of, ch- you're going to tell me right now, well, well, pastor, that means I don't love them. No, 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 listen. The moment that Adam and Eve sinned, God loved them. You know what he did? He clothed them and then he kicked them out of the garden. Why did he do that? Because God's so mean because he needed some more real estate space. I don't know. You know, you know why God did that? He did that for their own benefit. If they had access to this fruit where they could live forever and ever in a corrupted, sinful body, can you imagine what that existence would be like? God spared them when he separated some things. Can I tell you right now, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your Christian life, some of you need some more boundaries. You need to understand, there's some people you may not be able to trust, but you can still express charity towards them. Listen, I I think Christians get this backwards. It's almost like it's one of two things. Either I'm going to ignore you and I'm going to belittle you and I'm going to gossip about you because of where you're at in your life or I'm going to embrace everything about you and and just it's all okay. Can you have some balance and understand God wants you to express charity towards that person without necessarily ruining the boundaries that God set for you. You see, what's the problem with the early church? Well, the early church thought their gifts made them important. You know what makes you more like Jesus Christ? Charity. Charity suffered long. Can I point this out to you? Charity's kind. Look at verse 4. Let me ask you, how do you talk to your spouse on the way to church? How do you talk to your kids? Kids, how do you talk to your parents? I want to tell you right now, there, there's... I, listen, guys especially, we'll get around each other and give each other a hard time, and I, I get it. It can be fun. 
But I'm going to tell you right now, I've been around some Christians, they're just sharp and they're cynical. And if you say something, you just have to doubt it and kind of joke, yeah, well, maybe not, I don't know. Just, what is that? That's not the Spirit of God. Charity's kind. It's, 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 not, it's not forcing your opinion on those around you. Charity respects that not everyone is you. Can, can I just say this? It'd be awful if everyone was me. Some of you like, yeah, we'd be awful to have a bunch of Adrians around here, amen. But, but honestly, be, the Lord put us all here differently for a purpose. And the Lord says, look, if you want to express your maturity and your growth in the Christian life, it's described by being kind. Look at verse 4. The Bible says, charity envieth not. You cannot love someone with God's love and envy what they have. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not going to promote itself. It's not puffed up. You know what Charity doesn't do? Charity doesn't walk in the room and go, Hey, I'm here. Notice me. Look at my gifts. Look at my abilities. What I can do. How come you can't? Hey, does anybody notice what I can do? Charity doesn't do that. Charity does not. Listen, Jesus Christ never walked into a village. He never sent his disciples into a village with marketing materials going, This is what I did in the last city. You guys want me around? He didn't have to market himself. He just went and told people what they needed to hear. Why? Because he loved them. Rejoiceth not. I'm sorry, look at verse 5. Doth not behave itself unseemly. You know charity is? Charity is appropriate. Seeketh not her own. It's not selfish. It's not easily provoked. They just know what buttons to push. Then quit throwing your buttons out there for everyone to push. You ever think about that? You're like, it's their fault. They know what buttons to push. Well, then maybe put the buttons away. Maybe get rid of the buttons. I don't know, but it's not all their fault. It's not easy. Charity, when you have charity, I, I, don't, I don't have to, to, to think about, like, am I going to measure up to that person? I'm going to tell you right now, preachers are not exempt from this. Uh, any preacher will know this. You go to a, a conference, a, a missions conference, or a preaching conference, and someone gets up and preaches an amazing message, and you go, mine's not as good. And the Lord's like, yeah, but are you going to preach what I wanted you to preach? This idea that constantly circulates, we're constantly comparing ourselves and looking at the gifts and abilities and talents that we have. God says, look, it's not about your own self-promotion. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. Can I say this in verse 5? Charity is patient. Thinketh no evil. You realize when you're constantly measuring other people up and pointing out all their faults. You say, you know what that, go, go, to, go to John chapter, John chapter 8, John chapter 8. I'm sorry, John chapter 20, excuse me, John chapter 20. You know what charity is? You first. That's charity. You know what human nature is? Me first. You know what human nature is when you get saved? To look like I'm saying you first, but I really want it to be me first. Can I get a witness? See, see, when you get saved, this stuff doesn't just go away. This is part of who you are. And God goes, hey, I care more about your character than your abilities. Let's work toward this. Let's allow the Spirit of God some room to do this in your life. Look at John chapter 20. And, and look, I don't know why. I, I think when we get to heaven, I'd love to talk to Peter and John at the same time. Not separately. Same time. I'd like to ask them, like, how it was, you know, when they were, you know, going to the garden, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the tomb there after Jesus Christ had risen. I'd like to get their, just, just both of them in the same room. 
Because you know what John does? Look, look, look at John chapter 20, look at verse 1. The first, and by the way, qu- pop quiz, when John, in the Gospel of John, says the beloved disciple or the disciple whom Jesus loved, who's he talking about? John, right? Look at uh, John 20, verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark on the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. So who would that be? Is that not the author of the book? Okay, let's keep reading. And saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, who would that be? John, and came to the sepulchre. Now this is where it gets fun. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter. (laughs) I just want you guys to know, I whooped him in the race. Now, 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 now notice this. This is where I think it gets really interesting. Look at verse number five. Because uh, uh, John gets there first. He's stooping down and looking and saw the linen clothes lying, yet when he not in. You know who goes in first? Peter. You know, in whatever problems that John had, I think he had enough sense to know, brother, you first. See, my abilities got me here first. You listening? But now that we're here, you first. I, I, I've told my daughters and my, my, all my kids, you're raised in a Christian home, raised with the Bible, you better never forget where you could have been if it wasn't for that. And when you get to a certain place in your life, look around you and go, you first. You say, what is that? That's charity. You see, charity is not, look at John chapter 8, since you're already in the Gospel of John, charity is not what the Pharisees were known for. You know what the Pharisees had down? They had down how to show what was right and what was wrong. You say, well, that's judgment, that's, that's a discretion, and, and we need that. And I would say absolutely. But judgment and discretion without charity is pharisaical. Yeah. L- look at John chapter number 8. You say, what's going on? You know the story, woman caught in adultery? Now, look, the, the moral of the story is not adultery is okay, I don't care. P.S., I love you, God. That's not the moral of the story. Uh, clearly, Jesus Christ says in there, go and sin no more. This is not an, an absolution. It's not so much a, hey, no big deal. I don't really care about this, but I'll tell you what it is. Look at John, 20, or John 8, look if you would, at verse number uh, 7. Not, no, no, sorry, not, not verse number 7, excuse me. Verse number 1, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Now, let's just say we're having Bible study. I've had interruptions. I've had people go, you know, get, go to the bathroom, get coffee. Sometimes the phone goes off. Uh, sometimes we had, you know, the, the, what is the, I forget what it's called, the city, whatever, where they come pick people up. They came to church one weekend. They're going, hey, is Betty here? We're like, we don't know who Betty is. Uh, we've had interruptions here at New Heights at the church, but I'll tell you one thing I've never had. I've never had a group of men take a woman, throw her at my feet in the middle of a sermon. Do you realize she's in the middle of Bible study? And the scribes and the Pharisees dump this woman off in front of Jesus Christ. Already, this is starting wrong. You know what it was? It was about them. It wasn't about helping that woman. You want to help that woman? You take her to Jesus Christ one-on-one. They didn't want to do that. They wanted to say, look at me. So they bring this woman to Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, they caught her in the very act. (laughs) That means there's a male partner involved. Where's that guy at? Somehow he's not mentioned. So, so here's this woman in full shame, thrown at the feet of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now, some of you go, oh, that's terrible. Some of you run your mouth about people, 
And you're doing, you're trying to shame them into behavior. You're not going to do it. You'd be better off taking that person one-on-one to Jesus Christ in prayer. You'd be better taking that person one-on-one to the Lord and saying, Lord, how can we help them? You might even go up to them and go, look, I'm praying for you. I know there's stuff going on in your life. I don't need to know everything. It's between you and God. But I want you to know I'm praying for you. You know what the Pharisees were good at? Pointing out all the faults and failures. Can, can I remind you, look, look, look down at, uh, after all this goes down, look at verse 10. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine what? Seems to me, I read in my Bible somewhere, that there's a, a being called the accuser of the brethren. You know what you'd be better off doing as a Christian? You know what Jesus Christ does? Now listen to me. He doesn't condone her sin. He tells her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. But you know what he kind of did? He kind of said, let me just cover this right here. You say, why? Because the Bible says charity covereth a multitude of sins. You know what I learned about Christians? Let's be honest. We're okay with other people's sins getting exposed. Sometimes we even like it. We're not so okay with exposing our own. Here's how you got to live in the Christian life. Expose yours to God, cover those of others. You say, no, 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 it's my job to expose them. There are literally Christians who have websites dedicated to exposing the sins of other people. If you're doing that, you've got way too much time on your hands. Can, can, can I tell you where you ought to be as a Christian? Lord, I don't know what they're going through. I'm not sure how to deal with that. Lord, you've got more wisdom than I do, but God, would you help them? And Lord, would you help me never to think myself a better, as better than them because I'm not doing what they're doing? Because if it's not for the, your grace, there go I. Can I show you something about charity? Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This, this more excellent way, there's a pattern to it. You're reading, you just read about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, can I say this? There, there's profiting in the more excellent way. Now, now let me explain something, okay, the, about business. If a guy takes $5 to buy stuff, then he turns around and he sells it for 10 all right, he's got a profit, all right? We got these people today saying well, this, these companies or this person is too profitable. No one ever says that when they're making the money. All right, that is just the mantra today. Let me just say right now, God put some things in you. Listen to me carefully. God is not a mafia boss. He's your father. But let me just say this much. There's nothing wrong with the father saying to you, look, I expect for there to be some profit in your life. I've invested this much. When I come back, we all know the story about the unprofitable servant and, and what happens in that parable. And I get that there's a kingdom of heaven application to it. I get that. But practically, you've got this guy that buries his talent in the ground. When the Lord comes back, he says, that wicked and slothful servant. What that tells me is this. God puts some things inside of me. When you got saved, he put that gift of Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. But you are to work out your own salvation and pour out into this world what God has put inside of you. Amen. And what God expects is when he puts this investment, the Bible, Christian parents, the local church, the spirit of God, man, the list goes on and on. Some of us are spoiled, rotten children of God. He's poured so much into us, he expects there to be a return. None of you would go into business and go, I just spent five bucks and I expect to, to get three back. That, that's what you operating at a loss. You don't expect that. Can, can, I, can I say this? God wants you, not for his own sake. He wants you to have profit at the judgment seat of Christ. Notice what is said here 
in this chapter about the subject of charity in regards to that. Look, if you would, at verse number three. Though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I have not, and I have not charity, it what? You know what that tells me? If I have charity, I can profit. I can be profitable unto the Lord. And can I say this? If you look down at church history and you look at down at, at uh, Revelation and, and, and find the churches that the Lord addresses, those seven churches in Asia Minor, and there's historical application, there's practical application today, and there's doctrinal, prophetic application, tribulation, all that stuff. But if you look at all that, you'll find the first church that's listed is a church called Ephesus. And he says about the church of Ephesus, man, they had acts of service down. They had labor. They had patience. They had, the, they had, all the, they, they had the, the resume exactly to look like what a biblical church should be. You know, he tells them, I have somewhat against you because thou hast left thy first love. You see, they, they had all this stuff in the outside how it should look. But the missing ingredient, you know what it was? You know what the more excellent way is? The answer is not fine, then I just won't go to church. Fine, I won't be involved. No, no, no. It's looking at it from the standpoint, not so much I have to. I get to for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. You know the story of Mary and Martha. Everybody knows the story. And, and, and you know what the Lord tells us. Uh, um, I, love, I love the fact that Martha is running around and cleaning and cooking, serving up dishes, you know, and, and doing all this. And she's multitasking like crazy. And then she looks over and goes, can you imagine having the Lord over to your house? And all of a sudden you tell the Lord, hey. You need to tell her to get busy. The Lord's like, well, who died made you God? All right? And, and, and so Lord, the Lord looks at her and he says, hey, hey, Martha, Martha, thou art cumbered. She's serving. Acts of service, she's got them. But your sister chose a good part and will not be taken from her. It wasn't, listen to me, you cannot have everyone sit down all the time. Someone's got to shovel the snow, the snow off the walkway. Someone's got to make coffee in the morning. Someone's got to clean the window from the 47th time that some little toddler stuck his nose in the door. All right. Someone's got to teach in, in Sunday school. Someone's got to do nursery. There are duties that must be done. I'm not taking away from that, but I'm going to say this much. If you find yourself more in the camp of Martha, starting to look around going, how come they're not doing what I can? How come they're not carrying the burden? How come I'm all by myself? How come I? And you start doing it. You know what the problem is? You know what the real issue is? No charity. It profiteth me nothing. So Jesus Christ says, what shall profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own? You see, he, he, he relates a lesser value to a greater value. The world's lesser, the soul's greater. So you as a Christian, let me ask you this. And he also says, the flesh profiteth nothing. Do you know what that tells me? You know what, chari- you know what that tells me charity is? If it's profitable and the flesh profits nothing, you know what that tells me? Charity is not just an act of the flesh. Listen to me. I may like certain people because I just like them. That doesn't make me charitable. You understand? If, if I like music and I just want to talk to Joe all the time, I mean, it doesn't, make, doesn't mean I'm charitable because I, I like Joe because he likes music because I like music. That means I'm selfish and I like a bubble. You know what charity is? When I don't even know what in the world to talk to you about, but man, I know the Spirit of God saying, that person matters, talk to them. See, what is it? It's beyond you. It's not the flesh. It's the Spirit of God. You want a prophet as a Christian? You want something to show for it at the judgment seat of Christ? Let me tell you right now, oftentimes, you know what the missing ingredient is? 
Charity. Charity. Christian, can I say this? I've known some Christians that know a lot of Bible, and I think you ought to. I think you ought to. I, I, I think, again, Christians take these polar extremes, like, okay, King James Bible believer, you know, I got, you know, 47 chapters of the Bible memorized, and I'm going to tell you everything that's wrong in your life, you know, and, and I'm going to draw every line that I need to draw. I'm going to do this just right. And then, and then, then there's a, the, the Christian down the road that basically says none of that matters. It's all whole hands and sing kumbaya. You think maybe somewhere in the middle there's a little bit of truth to be found? You think you ought to have some discernment, have some judgment, and you can do that? Let me ask you, do you think Jesus Christ had perfect judgment and discernment? Do you not think he also applied perfect charity? You say, well, I don't know about that. John chapter 8, year of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. I mean, I mean, you know, Jesus told him, yeah, he did. He did. For whose benefit? Not for his. See, see, our problem is this. If I were to get up and do that John 8, 44 thing in my flesh, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be bashing you to prove to everyone. That's why you have these 30-second TikTok and YouTube shorts where some political person gets up and says something, and everybody goes, oh, to the person they're arguing with. By the way, life's not TikTok. It's not YouTube shorts. It takes real charity to build relationships in order to minister to people, and that takes time. And, and listen, the, the sign of a mature Christian, the, the, the progression, if you will, of the more excellent way is not how many verses you memorize or how much doctrine you know, and you ought to. It's not a matter of dumping that, but it's a matter of taking all that knowledge and all that you know and all you've been taught. By the way, when you graduate from medical school, yeah, it's a great accomplishment, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you got up there and said, look at how much I learned, look at how much I know, you know something because someone else told you. So as a Christian, when you learn and when you grow and you learn these things and, 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 and start to understand what the Bible says, never find yourself going, look at how much I know. You know what God's looking at? How much are you willing to serve with? The progression of charity is not just found in the amount of souls that you win or the chapters you read or the amount of money that you give in missions. It's not so much who is the greatest as the disciples argued after the Lord. Can you imagine... The Lord is telling him, I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to, go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be uh, uh, betrayed in the hands of sinners, and I'm going to die. And he's going through this whole thing, right? And, and in Mark chapter 9, the Bible says that when they finally got to their destination, he goes, hey, by the way, I heard you guys talking while I was talking, problem number one. And, and by the way, what were you guys talking about? What were you arguing about? Um, we were arguing about who was the greatest. Can you imagine having that conversation with the Lord? You see, it was a problem. They're still, eventually, those people become authors of the books of the Bible. Can I say this? They weren't ready for that yet. They had some growing up to do. And the growing up to do wasn't just based on knowledge. They had been at the feet of Jesus Christ for three and a half years. They knew more than most people around them, and yet they didn't understand that what was going to make them great was not what they knew or even as being the disciple. You know what it would make them great? taking what God gave them and applying it with charity. The, the sign of a mature Christian is not found in what I know or what I can do. But Paul says, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You know what keeps everything together? I can tell you this. It's not my great Bible knowledge. 
You know what keeps a family together? You know what keeps a church together? You know what it takes? Charity. Well, I don't have that gift. I'll never forget one time I was talking about being evangelistic and taking the gospel out. You know what someone told me? I don't have the gift of of evangelism. Therefore, I can't witness. And I was like, that's not in the Bible. You made that one up. You know what that was? That was their way of getting out of what they were supposed to do. You know, somebody might say, I wasn't raised in a loving home. I get that. But you're a new creature in Christ now. I didn't have a loving father. I get that. But you're a new creature in Christ now. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. This is how I was. Okay, fine. All that's true. I'm not denying any of that stuff. But now this is where you're at. And so you know what? God's put his spirit inside of you, and he has poured his charity into you, which is how you got saved. Now it's time to pour it out. We say all the time, you can't pour out of an empty cup. And that's true. Let me tell you right now, if we're talking about the cup of your soul, it is full with Jesus Christ. Look down, if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we'll round this out. Look, if you would, at verse number 8. Charity never faileth. Anybody here ever have a battery go out on a cold morning? And it's 20 below, and you're like, why is my battery dead? It's because you're in Siberia, right? And you know what that is? That is a failure of that device. Because when that when you turn that key, and I am not, where is Steon? I'm not going to all the mechanical stuff. I know that, that supernatural, you know, miraculously or magically, like juices flow from here to here, negative, positive. Am I doing a good job? Not even close, all right? And then it goes, you know, the starter and the starter does this and the, the igniter does this, ignition, the switch and the, yeah, the medulla oblongata, right? And something like that, okay. And I don't, I'm not a car guy, but you understand, you don't have to be a car guy to know the battery helps get the car going. Click, 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 click. You see what that battery did? It failed usually fails when you need it the most. (laughs) Can I say this? This world is lacking charity. There's one place they're going to find it. It's not out there. It's in here and it's in you. Don't fail them. They need you. Charity never faileth. Look if you would at verse 13. Now by the faith, hope, Charity, these three. But the greatest of these, was it Muhammad Ali? I am the greatest. Is that Muhammad Ali? I know I've said this before. I I just, every time some stupid teenager on TikTok says, I'm him, I want to reach through the thing and just, you are not him. (laughs) Him is Jesus Christ. You're not him. The greatest is not measured by human standards. You want to be great? This is what Jesus told his disciples, be a servant. Yeah, there are times people say things, let's be honest, and you want to respond and you go, yeah? And the Holy Spirit goes, what about charity? And there are times... Someone mentions someone's name, and you got dirt on that person. They go, oh, yeah, that? And the Holy Spirit goes, ah, about some charity. 
And there's some times you might be in an argument. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, couples in this church don't have arguments. You have a heated, passionate discussion about alternating alternative points of view, all right? And you get into this, this discussion, and before you know it, you're no longer talking about the subject matter. Now it's you and you and yeah, well, you, well, yeah, well, you. You say, what is it? Lack of charity. The Lord may want you to serve some people, maybe in this church, maybe outside of this church, and you go, yeah, but you know what those people are like? Yeah, you know who you are? You know what you're like? God still serves you. Christian, what makes charity so amazing is this. He, he mentions three things. Faith, hope, and charity. Those are the big three. Do you realize when you get to heaven, no need for faith. Faith will be gone. Do you understand that? Faith will be turned into sight. You won't need hope anymore because you'll be looking at him. His name is Jesus Christ. What are you going to need to hope for anymore? Everything you, you need is right, is there. You're in it. But you know what you're going to live in forever and ever and ever and ever? You know what we're going to do? You know what he did this morning? Let me tell you about Willie. Let me tell you about this person. Let me tell you about Regina. You know what we get to heaven? Let me tell you how I met the Savior. Let me tell you about the great love he had toward me. You know what we're going to live in forever and ever and ever? His charity you will be a reminder in heaven of the charity that God had onto this earth. My question to you is this. Are you looking for that more excellent way? I know I've said this before, but i got a friend, a preacher, and he says, known for saying this, people do what they want to do. If you want trouble, you'll find it. I call it the doctrine of summer camp. You see, what does that mean? The kids that want trouble, they find trouble kids. And the kids that just want to like, you know, I don't know, try to find a tree and kiss behind it, they find each other. <laughs> it's true. Who grew up in, you grew up in summer camp. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not asking if you were one of those kids, all right? <laughs> you find what you're looking for. Am I right? So the Lord says, here's a more excellent way. It's not about your talent. It's not about your knowledge. It's not about your ability. This is the way. Fort Benning, Georgia. I think they changed the name of that place. I don't care. It's still Fort Benning in my mind. Stupid thing they're doing with all these names of bases. Fort Benning, Georgia. They have this bronze statue, and it has this guy going like this. You know what that statue says? Follow me. That's the infantry motto. My dad was, uh, they called that division, uh, they call it tropical, a grapefruit lightning back in Vietnam. I forget what the actual division is, uh, but infantry. And it, you know what it says? Follow me. You want to follow Jesus Christ? I think most of you would say yes. You know what his way is? You're not going to fix this world with justice. Social justice. We're going to take from some people that have and give it to some people that don't. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, what what does that fix? Inequality. Give it a generation, you'll find it didn't work. Can I tell you what's not going to work in your life? Vengeance. Oh, I know what they said about me. My time to get them back. All right? Justice isn't going to work. Vengeance isn't going to work. You know what's going to work? Charity. Charity. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you so much for the great love you had toward us. Lord, I know that bitterness and unforgiveness, envy, Lord, all these 
works of the flesh, Lord, they, uh, they don't operate, they don't function when charity is present. It doesn't work. I can't hate someone when I'm praying for them. Lord, I pray that you'd help. Lord, in our flesh, these things don't make sense. Lord, I pray that you'd minister your people. Lord, emphasize the, the truths, what we heard today. Lord, help us be more like you. We're not like you. Lord, the more I, I get into this book and the more I try to follow you, the more I realize I don't come close to you. I, I know this, though. It's beneficial. Our church will profit from charity. Missions will profit from charity. The gospel profits from charity. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, rather than measuring ourselves up to other Christians, Lord, just to measure up next to you and learn to put on charity. Christian, let me say this. The Bible says to put off the old man and put on the new man. You know what the old man is? He's a lot of things, but he's not charitable. You cannot, as we talked about last week, you can't continue in sin when you're walking in love for Jesus Christ. You see, charity goes two ways. It goes towards each other, horizontally, right? Vertically as well. The more excellent way, the reason why it's more excellent is because it's, it's persistent. It's going to persist throughout all of eternity. Charity's going to be there forever. Faith won't. Hope won't. Charity will. Some of you work with some people that you don't like. And you know what? If I worked with them, I probably wouldn't like them either. But God tells you to love them enough to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. God tells you to pray for them. See, that, that's a sign of some spiritual maturity. I don't like you <laughs> because X, Y, and Z. But I want you to be saved. I want you to know Jesus Christ. Paul closes that letter to the Corinthians with this, let all things be done with charity. All things. The, the question, Christian, is, is, is my life, my actions, my words, I had a situation this week with one of my kids and the man of the Lord rebuked me. I... I misread a situation, and it was very quick to just hammer. And the Lord said, boy, you blew that one. He said, what'd you do? I said, well, I sure am glad when 
people do the right thing to me. So I went to my child and I said, hey, dad did not handle that with charity. I am sorry. You see, it's not even about position. It's not about, it's not position of authority. It's not about that. It's about exemplifying the character of Jesus Christ in my life. In every phase. In the home. At the office. At the construction site. (laughs) You know? At the city of Denver Sanitation, wherever Felix is at. All right? On the mission field. Wherever you're going. At church. With the brethren. Uh, let's close in a word of prayer. There's a story about a little boy who was going to D.L. Moody's. Who knows who D.L. Moody is? Dwight L. Moody, great, great figure in church history. Um, not a Baptist. By the way, there's a lot of great people that weren't Baptists, all right? But uh, he uh, had a boy come to a Sunday school class, is what it was, from across the other side of Chicago, I believe it was, and uh, walked in the snow, walked to church, not drove, walked several miles. Because he was close to the church and his family moved to the other side of town. He had to walk several miles across town and he got to Sunday school and D.L. Moody says, isn't there a church closer to you? He says, yeah, but you guys know how to love a young man here. You say, what was it? It was worth walking for. Um, It's that rare. People need it. And they're not going to find it outside of Jesus Christ. And as you heard in the Sunday School Hour, you are that living epistle. You are the one that reflects the nature and character of Jesus Christ. So I pray you do that this week. Lord willing, we'll see you back here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, Bible study. Uh, We'll be learning about the shield of faith. All right, so be here for that. So we continue our study on the whole armor of God. And it's been a blessing to be here. Thankful for safety. We'll pray for everyone to get home safely as well. And uh, let me just give you one tip. Don't be in a rush. Well, I have four-wheel drive, and I've got the latest. Okay, fine. You're the one that's going to be in the ditch. Slow down, all right? It's not worth it. Uh, but uh, we hope to see you Wednesday night. If you got a blessing from Brother Anderson, let him know that. And uh, feel free to talk to him before you leave, all right? Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. And I'm going to ask Brother Felix, my brother from the